Before we get to our guest, a quick message from our sponsor. We've talked a lot about Mike Lindell's products at MyPillow.com. The quality is just amazing and everything he makes lasts forever. He's got a new product out right now that the summertime customer will just absolutely love. We've all had the slippers and the quality on those is amazing. People rave about them. He's got the three layers of comfort where he's morphed that technology into the summertime sandals. They look like Crocs, but they're much more comfortable and long lasting. Again, the proprietary three-layer technology that will give you extreme comfort in these sandals to wear around uh, for the rest of your summers, actually. So how can you get these? You can go to MyPillow.com and use promo code CDM to get the massive discounts he has on for the launch of this product. But just don't look at the sandals. Mike has over 600 products. If you're looking for household goods or apparel, don't go to the big box communist retailers that support the cabal. Support the Patriots, support cdm.press using pro promo code CDM and get the best discounts available at mypillow.com. And now let's get to our guest. Welcome to our global conversation in plain sight. Today, I'm really honored to have our dear friend, Dwayne Armstrong, whom we met, uh, I guess, almost a year ago, Dwayne, I guess. Yeah, and uh, started talking then. And I'm delighted, and I, I would like for the international audience to know who you are, Dwayne. First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, so let's talk about your background, because you had reached out through a mutual friend, because yes. you had looked at some interviews and you thought that I was a little harsh uh, talking about the corruption in pharmaceuticals. So tell everybody what where what about your professional background because it's very important to put that into context because we did start speaking and you started doing interviews with us and doing research and um we've come a long way so Dwayne, tell the audience who you are uh well i uh, all of most of my career working career was in the pharmaceutical industry i started first with abbott laboratories i was with them for four years and then i went to work for johnson and johnson and I retired from Johnson & Johnson after almost 30 years with them. So totally about 34 years in the industry. And, and um, talk about how what you manage in terms of projects. Okay. I, um, I started in sales and I worked my way up through uh, sales management and then to the home office. I was a product director uh, for a major product that we had. And then from there, I went to the Southeast region uh, office. I was the director for the Southeast region of our company for the last 21 years of my uh, career. And you mentioned to me at one point, uh, the code of ethics at Johnson & Johnson. Let's explain that for the audience because- yeah. Yes, uh, has a, what well, was called a credo. The credo is a statement of their business principles. It's the way they do business. It's it's the uh, priorities that they established in the conduct of business. It's a several seven or eight uh, points of uh, doing business, 
And interestingly enough, the the one that's, that's last, it's mentioned last, is the uh, the uh, stockholders, the responsibility. It's, it's a list of responsibilities of the organization. Mm-hmm. And this one is uh, the stockholders because the, uh, the belief is that if all of the others are done correctly, the stockholders will enjoy the benefits of having those having done those correctly. So they're not listed top. They're not in second place. They're at the bottom because in terms of priorities, it starts with patience and ends up with, uh, with, doc- with the stockholders. So it was people over profits. People over profits. All right. So, um, and that was, and, and when did you retire from, from the pharmaceuticals? Uh, 2000. I did consult for two years after that. Okay. So, so you, so when you were in the industry, the ethics were that the pay, the safety of the patients come first before the profits for the shareholders. The safety of the patient was always number one. Yes. All right. So when you and I first started talking, <clears throat> you you pushed back a little bit and and um, thought that maybe I was a little too harsh when I was talking about the corruption of the pharmaceutical company right. industry, specifically about COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, I exp- we we talked for a while and we went back and forth. Now let's t- at that point in time. Um, you, I, I hate to use the word believer, but you believe that, you know, it couldn't be as bad as it has come to be um, through the evidence that's been pouring out in the last uh, year and a half, correct? That is correct. Uh, initially, what, what brought us to our conversation mm-hmm. was um, you had done a, a deep dive into a lot of things in the industry. And uh, very frankly, having been away from the industry for a few years, I had lost contact with some of that. But what you were describing was totally different than what mm-hmm. I do. And it was hard for me to come to terms with, with that because that's not at all what I had observed in my 34 years of, of work in the industry. Both Abbott and J&J were, were of the utmost uh, integrity. So I had no reason to... Uh, question anything they've done. And when you were describing what you had experienced, I'm waiting, something's not, something's not jiving here. So mm-hmm. that's what brought us to our conversation. Now, I will tell you that since our conversation and now what's ha- what's ex- we've experienced in the last couple of years with pharma, uh, yeah, there are some, there are some real issues in that industry. There's no doubt about it. So let's talk about, because after, after our initial conversation, you did some more research and then, and let's talk about the evolution because today, is it fair to say that you're at the point where you actually see the corruption around the COVID vaccinations or the oh, shots? Oh, well? absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's talk about the evolution because I think it's really important for people to understand. If they're at the point where, if they have been in pharma, it's hard for the people to understand that maybe, the ethics have changed. And for people who have never been in pharma, they think that somebody who's critical of the pharmaceutical companies during this COVID crisis uh, are a little bit off. Uh, and let's talk about, because you're, the value, uh, Dwayne, is that you have been in the industry. The, what you're seeing today is not what you saw during your uh, tenure in the industry. 
And now you've come full circle. So let's go step by step and just tell everybody how you've come to this conclusion. Because it's very important when we have family members, when we have friendships broken over this entire crisis for two and a half years. And we still have, I want to say, the circle of Fauci coming out and still basically saying that, you know, he's God with a little G. And people are still talking about, you know, the, these are safe and effective, which is not true. Right. Yeah. Not true. No, not true. No. Okay. So let's talk about how you came to your epiphany. Yeah. Step well, yeah. In, in my background, my experiences uh, in, in uh, all phases of my career, the, um, and let's take for specifics, the area of um, integrity of product. Mm -hmm. I know of, in our in our experience within my company and also experiences of other companies, whenever a product demonstrated a safety issue that was beyond the acceptable standard, that product was either severely restricted or total, taken totally off the market. Uh, we, I have three products in mind that we had. They were wonderful, wonderful products because of some safety issues were withdrawn from the market. There are other companies had the same, uh, same thing happen. I also, in my work as a product director, I was in, involved in setting up clinical studies on my product. So I know exactly what happens between a company and the FDA at that time. And at that time, we were, I'll use the word, we were somewhat subordinate to the FDA because they set all the rules, they set all the regulations and we marched to their tune. It got to be very, very frustrating at times because they were so strict, which is not bad, but mm -hmm. we sometimes they were being a kind of pickish. But still, the, the relationship was they set the standard. We had to, to comply with those standards, those safety standards, if you will. And it took time to do a study. And all through the study, we're checking in from time to time with the FDA. They're looking through the results. They're monitoring the results. We do that often enough so that by the end of the study, every all the boxes have been checked appropriately. There's no fudging of data. There's no misinterpretation of numbers. That was considered bad stuff. You, you don't do that. Um, that's You can go to jail for doing stuff like that. So we didn't we were very careful that any results we that we communicated to the FDA were, were proper. If there was something that looked funny, if you will, it was reported to the FDA because nothing nothing was going to cover the um, the proper conduct of that study. And now look at that compared to what we see now with Pfizer and their studies. And yes, there's a big difference. So what have you what have you found in your deep dive that you've shared, uh, you know, with with me, explain that to, to the audience because I think it's really important. The differences that you have observed, in yeah, when the past and now with Pfizer, when the um, when the vaccine first came out, uh, I was on board with it because uh, you know at that point, let's face it, we all had been somewhat convinced that we had a problem on our hands. We needed a vaccine to treat it. And yeah, a, a year's time was like, well, I don't know. I, I don't know how we're going to, how they're going to do that, but if they can do it, hey, uh, let's do it. So the, the vaccine comes out. 
we I did take the first two Pfizer shots uh, in January of, of 21. I've not taken anything since. And I was okay with that for a while. And then when reports started surfacing that uh, there were breakthroughs uh, and there were some serious events happening to people with the vaccine, it started making me uh, wonder uh, about the safety of the studies. I started taking a look at them. I read what other people were saying about the loop, about the, the problems in the studies, the, the numbers that just didn't add up, the shortcuts that were taken, even the, the hiding of some numbers, the distortion of some numbers. That started to make me very, very suspicious of the vaccine. And the deeper you went into it, the more I started reading from experts who, were, who know a whole lot more about it than I do. I came to the conclusion that uh, the work that was done on this vaccine could not have possibly been stringent enough to guarantee a safe and effective product. It went totally against everything I knew from the industry from the past. We just didn't do things that fast and that, that created problems. Well, the speed was one thing, but also it was the documentation that you had said to me in the past that really bothered you. Yes, uh, yeah, the, um, what looked to be on the surface, looked to be uh, proper and good information. The more you, you got into it, you could see the, the fallacies of, um, of the study, especially when you started hearing about studies that were terminated because they weren't showing the, res the results that the company wanted to see. So that told me right there that, um, there was a big, big problem with this with this product. It's not a vaccine, first of all. It's a it's just an injectable. Uh, so yeah, it it proved based on the comparison of my past and what I was seeing. There's no way that that product could have been safely uh, discovered. Does it? Does it? How do you feel having been in the industry and having? um believed enough that you took the two Pfizer shots knowing what you know now uh -huh. because well, that because some people you know there there were many people that we interviewed early on the, the early rollouts the, uh -huh. uh, t t t January 2021 when when I first start, started talking to the vax the vaccination the vaccination injured and it was more than just Pfizer it was Moderna AstraZeneca J and J and people were saying well you know one person in, in Fauci's crowd said to me Christine they're urban legends and I thought okay that's it I'm going to get these people ready for you know on camera interviews as much as I can and most of those a lot of those people were in the healthcare industry and they took it because they were working in hospitals they were working in ERs they were working in research in hospitals um dentist office so it wasn't it wasn't older people that were taking it was people in the industry because they they quote unquote believed in the safety of the vaccinations they had a, they didn't believe that anybody would intentionally hurt them right that's exactly right yeah it, it, interestingly enough the re interesting uh, yeah the reason i took the vaccine was because of my belief in the industry because mm -hmm. i looked at it from my experience 
And that's kind of funny. Probably if I had not been in the industry, I might not have taken a vaccine. <laughs> but because I was in industry, I had belief in the industry. I had belief in the, at that point, the companies that were in the, in the process of uh, discovering the vaccines. So, yeah, that was, that was my deciding factor was the fact that I had, I had the experiences. I believed in what they were doing and um, I went, went ahead with it. You know, just recently, um, I, I wrote a piece that talked about uh, the the 2009 Pfizer criminal civil complaint. And at that point in time, uh, Pfizer settled with Department of Justice for $2.3 billion. That was the largest fine at, at, to date at that point in time over a decade ago. And then I think it was three or four years later, Glasgow had a civil and criminal fine with Department of Justice for $3 billion. Mm -hmm. They're not the only companies that are out there that have had these major fines, but those were two major fines. But in that Pfizer case back then, over a decade ago, the part of the settlement was with uh, Pharmacia and Upjohn, which is a subsidiary, and it's basically it's a shell company for Pfizer. And in the documents that Pfizer during this COVID crisis have submitted to FDA. They actually have pharm pharmacia, you know, Upjohn, and in parentheses Pfizer. We always refer to this as the Pfizer shot, and and I'm 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 told that the reason why they used the pharmacia Upjohn for that drug back then over a decade ago was because that entity within the Pfizer structure was going to take the hit for the find. Mm -hmm. And that the, and had it been Pfizer itself, then all of those drugs that do work, that Pfizer manufactures for Medicaid and Medicare patients would not be taken off the market. So now we find that they filed these same type of papers for the COVID injection. And I, I can't help but wonder, you know, did they know that they needed to be cautious because there may be some harm that may come from these injections and they were more worried about their bottom line? Uh, that's conceivable. Sure. Mm -hmm. Very, yeah. Let's say, I don't, I got to tell you, Pfizer. I'm, I'm going to give their their uh, PR people a lot of credit. They've done quite a job on the on the population, on the world. They've they've done quite a job. They've got a product that doesn't work. It produces serious adverse events. It can kill people, and yet it's still on the market. It's still being pushed. People hear that it doesn't work, and they line up to take the shots anyway. They've done a very commendable job of, um, of fooling people, and it continues. And Pfizer is the face of pharma today. There's no doubt about it. Pfizer is the kingpin in the, in the, in the industry. You can pretty much count on the phrase brought to you by Pfizer mm -hmm. because there's the TV uh, programs, the special events that are promoted and supported by Pfizer. 
they've done an unbelievable job of presenting themselves as the face of the industry that you can trust and uh, is working. It, it is it is an incredible PR job because a year and a half ago, we were told that these are safe and effective. Mm -hmm. they, they, they did not say safe, you know, and, and then they said that the vaccination uh, injuries were rare. There's more vax injuries than there during this time period for these shots mm -hmm. than there have been collectively over the course of the last 30 years. That's correct. And they still keep it on the market. Uh, in 2021, early, the, the, the sales pitch was, you're not going to get uh, the disease and you're not going to die. Mm -hmm. Then that and 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 you, and you weren't going to transmit, it wasn't transmissible, mm -hmm. you took the shot. Mm -hmm. Now, the message has morphed into, it's not transmissible. We didn't think it was going, we, 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 we didn't know. We hoped it wouldn't be, it would oh. prevent transmissibility. Mm -hmm. Dr. Brick has come out and said, uh, even in her testimony with Congressman Jim Jordan, you know, we were wishing, we were hoping, you know, it was, a, it was basically, I mean, she didn't use the word dream, but that's what she basically was saying. And in her book, she's making it real clear, you know, we should have been more transparent. Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, who is at the table making these decisions that we're going to use these words when we don't know what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. Tell us now, because you were in sales. I'm very interested about this because in some cases where there have been criminal and civil fines in the past under the Department of Justice for some of these pharmaceutical companies. A lot of times the the executives aren't really held responsible. Sometimes it gets passed down to the salespeople. But my understanding in the pharmaceutical industry, these sales and I want to call it, you know, it's like a cheerleading training. I mean, who tells the salespeople what to say? Well, the uh, I'll use my experience in both companies, the information that we received that we would communicate to professionals, mm -hmm. we received from the company, and it's a combination of scientific data as well as promotional uh, information, the way to promote the product, the way to sell the product to a doctor based on advantages to the patient. In other words, the product was always going to is always presented as, look, here's what the product will do. Here's a product type that the, the drug is indicated for. These are the results you can expect from the, the product. And we back that up with, with uh, what's called reprints or data from doctors, hospitals, whatever that would su support the, uh, the use of that product by a doctor. So everything that, that I ever did, everything that I ever saw done in the field was totally up uh, within boundaries of scientific uh, uh, truth, as well as promotional uh, techniques. But those techniques were always in the literature that had been approved by the FDA. All, all of the materials that were utilized in our, in our uh, sales were approved by the FDA. 
So we had a layer there of, of checks and balances. So during these, these sales training seminars, whatever the words they use in, the, in your industry, are people allowed to ask questions and challenge, or is it just robotic where this is how you pitch it? This is how you sell it. This you, is safety. No, we push back. No, you could push back. Oh yeah. You could, you could definitely do that. So you could have a dialogue. You could question, you could say, well, what happens if, uh, so this, this was not, this was not robotic. I mean, this, all. no, no. So, do you think no. that there's any room for any of the salespeople today, the way it was back then? Well, uh, uh, that's a good question. And I, I mean, Fauci's basically saying, "You challenge, you, you know, I'm Mister Science. I'm God with a little G. Uh -huh. You know, don't, 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 don't question me. Don't even question me about my financial situation, even though he's a top dog of the entire federal government. He makes more money than the president of the United States, and his pension is going to be larger than the than any presidents in the past." Today, I, I don't know today what if in the industry, I don't know how much leeway sales reps have in terms of of uh, pushing back. Um, mm -hmm. I think they do, but I, I don't know. I, uh, it could but be. You did it, but you did in your day. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And absolutely. So 20 years ago, you could push oh. back and, and, and no one was going to lose their job. No, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, it was it was encouraged to question and push back to make sure that what we're doing was on the right page and, and, uh, that everything was correct. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's, but the thing that helped back us up was everything, everything that we promoted, everything we presented was based on data that you could research and see and determine, is it true or not? So there were no, there were no shortcuts taken there. There were no improper statements made. That could be challenged to say legally or medically no it it just wasn't done so Dwayne, if if you're allowed to challenge that in those days i've spoken to many uh people who still work in the pharmaceutical industry mm -hmm. and um when the pharmaceutical in industry when the pharmaceutical corporations are mandating these shots for their employees. How do you feel about that? Oh, that, that's that's terrible. I mean, and I, and I now specifically talking about the vaccines. I'm sure that if we if we look at the behaviors, and let's, let's go with Pfizer. Look at the behaviors of Pfizer um, as a company as a and presenting a product. It is, it's got a, it's presented in a way that I, there would be, I don't see any chance really of a person, an individual pushing back on that. It probably would not be a good thing to do based on what we know about what's, how this has been presented and promoted. I'm sure there's no, there's no pushback. There can't, there couldn't be pushback. Somebody would, they were not going to hang around very, very long if they're pushing back against Pfizer on this product. I don't see that. I, that's not going to happen. So, so when the when the CEO of Pfizer was at Davos this year, he talked about you know in the future you know the, we, we might be able to have a chip that we put into somebody to find out if they in fact ingest the 
the medicine that has been prescribed to them. What is that? What is that? How does that resonate with you? I believe that the techno the technology is there to do anything anybody wants to do. And in the wrong hands. In the wrong hands, yes. I think I think we have progressed so far in technology that that's possible. And there there are probably things possible I'm not even thinking about because the technology has just been unbelievable. And the things that can be placed inside a, a, a an ingestible or injectable product, there's probably, I don't know if there's any limit to what could be done. And I mean, if you, if I remember reading in Bobby Kennedy's book about um, a tetanus vaccine that was used in Africa that was laced with a sterility drug. Well, mm-hmm. right there, it tells you what can happen if the bad if bad people want to get hold of something and do something not good. Yeah, it's there. So what do you tell people now, friends of yours who maybe are hesitant, have been hesitant to get the shot? Do you, do you tell them you tell them probably isn't a good idea? I tell them, I tell them, yeah, I do tell them it, but I tell them why. I, I go into the 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 whole the background. What why the both the safety and the effectiveness issues. I explain to them why they should not take uh, either take the shot or take another shot of the of the same product. Just don't take it. And so let's get into the specifics. Well, first of all, the effectiveness, you know, you're, you're, it's not going to keep you from getting in. It's not going to keep you from transmitting somebody, but it can also cause immediate side effects, events, or long term. We don't know what's going to happen five years from now, 10 years from now. We can surmise it. If, if this uh, stuff is being, um, is being um, stored in the uh, various organ systems, there's no telling what we're going to see in a few years. So I tell people about the uh, the immediate adverse reactions that we were seeing cardiac wise, uh, uh, neuromuscular wise, without having muscular. to go into, yeah, not having to go into a lot of detail, but just uh, and referring them to what we know has been documented, and I've seen a lot of documentation. What was your reaction to when Pfizer came out and said we don't want to when when there was the FOIA lawsuit? for Pfizer to release documents that they had submitted to the FDA uh, for their licensure. What was your reaction to their response that they didn't want to release them for another 55 years? That that tells you all you need to know. That tells you all you need to know. There's something, what's there that they don't want people to know? Christine, there was, uh, I remember reading uh, just a couple, three weeks ago that, Pfizer was, they were, um, I can't remember who, who it was, was a lawsuit or somebody just charging them with fraud. Somebody in the government, the answer from, from Pfizer back to them was, you were aware of the fraud and you accepted the fraud. And the fact that you accepted the fraud means it's okay. And they quoted some government regulation to that effect that if there is 
I'll, I'm not using the word fraudulent on that. If there is improper data, but it's accepted by the government and, and process, that there is no legal recourse. Well, here, let me explain that. That's the Brooke Jackson's case. Brooke Jackson uh, is a, a whistleblower for a subsidiary. She was a regional director overseeing some of their clinical trials. She And so she there was Pfizer, and then there was a, 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 a subsidiary, and then there was somebody who subcontracted it to a company that she worked for. So it's all in the line of the Pfizer okay. shot. And she she challenged the safety and the protocols and the standards that she witnessed that she felt that had been breached. She went to her immediate boss. She went all the way up the line uh, to Pfizer, to the company that hired her company for this. And then she went to the FDA and then she was fired the next day by Pfizer because she didn't fit in. <laughs> she wasn't going along. Mm -hmm. she, you know, she was challenging this and that was her job. Her job was to oversee the efficacy and the safety of the clinical trials at that time. Mm -hmm. So she did file uh, a whistleblower lawsuit. And uh, when and then the Pfizer lawyers came back and, and filed a motion to dismiss. And within those documents, uh, <clears throat> that is part of the argument that, that Pfizer is using, because they say that they had uh, it's an OTA contract with the Department of Defense, That's right. which is kind of interesting, uh, and, and that they, in fact, uh, if if they if there has been any fraud, and I'm paraphrasing this, but if there has been any fraud, that uh, the government would have been a note would have known about it, and hence they don't have any liability. But here's the kicker, and I think it's 1999 in Nigeria, Pfizer, uh, there was a meningitis outbreak, and Pfizer had some some type of something. It was you know pharmaceutical that they used in Nigeria, and it later caused harm. And there was a lawsuit, it was filed in New York courts, and they used that same argument then. The Nigerian government came out and said, uh, and they they said that the Nigerian, well, let me back up. The Pfizer lawyers said that if there was fraud, the Nigerian government knew about it and hence they weren't responsible. The Nigerian government did a report. They didn't have that type of contract. They didn't know. And there was a leak of that government report basically saying that, no, 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 we, we didn't know anything about this. Uh -huh. And Pfizer, Pfizer lost or settled in that New York case. Okay. So so this is this is somewhat of a parallel, but it's you know, it's not it, 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 I don't know if they're going to win this one. Uh -huh. I don't know if they're going to win this. I don't know uh, how this is going to go. It's a key time case that she's filed. But at the same time, I think it's very interesting that Pfizer lawyer, lawyers are using the same argument that they used over 20 years ago in a case in New York, and they didn't come out on top. Okay, good. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, it, it is the lawyers are going to win this one way or the other. Mm -hmm. they're, I mean, they're going to have to the, people. But the problem with with when you have these type of cases. If there's a settlement, then there's a non-disclosure and the, you know, the world doesn't find out exactly what happened. I think it's very important for people to take this all the way and hold these people accountable because, you know, I mean, if I, if I were their lawyer, I'd be suing everybody personally on the board of Pfizer. I totally agree. They, they have a fiduciary responsibility 
especially in a crisis like this, um, to figure out if what they're doing is absolutely not just reasonable, not just ethical, that it's not criminal. <clears throat> it is. Um, I really have trouble wrapping my head around my experiences a few years ago and the behavior of companies today in the industry. Let's take Pfizer. Mm -hmm. The fact that that product's even still on the market is just, it's puzzling. Why in the world would a product with this kind of profile still be available? And in my days, this thing would have stopped, been stopped in clinicals and, and, and shelved because of what, what it was showing. But they continued with it and they're continuing with it today. And that's, that's just really mind blowing that we have a product that is netting Pfizer billions of dollars. It doesn't work. It's not safe. And yet the government continues to push it. And you've got to start asking questions. Why, why, why are they pushing a product down to a child, an infant at six months of age? Why would you do that? It makes no sense whatsoever medically. Why would you do that? There's, there's a, there is a connection, there's a relationship between Pfizer, the FDA, the American Hospital Association, the American Medical Association, the American Pharmacies Association. They're all involved. They're all involved. They're either because they want to be or because they have to be. There is a definite relationship that's, that's promulgating the use of this, of this vaccine. And it's in plain sight. But for people who don't understand the industry, or even for those who have been in the industry, you know, there, there's there's nuances uh, that surface. But the, the overall question is why? Why? I continue with this. Why? Why? And now, and now let's let's add on Paxlovid. Yes. Paxlovid. Here, here we go. Who whose product is it? Pfizer's. Pfizer's. Mm -hmm. Government has already paid them $5.3 billion for that product that's now being dispensed in retail pharmacies, not just by, from a doctor's prescription, now in retail pharmacies. It, it costs the five days, uh, I looked it up, five days of therapy on Paxlovid is $530. The government's picking up that tab. Well, we know no, we are we are we the taxpayers are picking up that tab. The Pfizer netted 5.3 billion dollars on the first go around, and that's added on to their their bonanza with the vaccine. They are they're they're covered on the vaccine. They're covered on the Paxlovid. They've got EUAs on both of them, which means they're they're good to go. It which which means they have no liability, right? Liability. They have no liability for anything that ha happens to a person that takes that product. Include it's not so it's not just for the vaccination shots. It's also for the Paxlovid. How do you say that word? Paxlovid. Paxlovid. P a x l o v i d. Paxlovid. So Paxlovid um, also has no liability. No, no liability. It's EUA, which means that there's no liability. And it didn't work for Fauci because he, he got COVID, he took it, and then he got it again. Biden, same thing. Biden. Mm -hmm. So here we have a product that um, the government is, is promoting. 
it has questionable efficacy. Uh, we don't know about the safety issues yet. That there could be some there. Who knows? It's it's experimental as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the government chooses, and here's here's where people need to come to their senses. It's costing the government five hundred and thirty dollars for five days of Paxlovid. Mm-hmm. Yet they will not allow ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine proven safe proven effective for a fraction of the cost that they're spending on paxlovid if that doesn't tell you that there's corruption i don't know what it would take it is amazing and there was another pfizer uh lawsuit in uh uruguay in latin america uh where where the shots are voluntary but there were parents who um, asked for an injunction in the courts there because they were going after the, the, the infants and the toddlers and the little kids. And the judge about uh, within the last three or four weeks ordered Pfizer to release its contract that they have with the government of Uruguay. And uh, the judge gave the president's office of Uruguay, they're, they're comparable to HHS, in, in Uruguay, as well as the Minister of Health, to show up in 48 hours and to answer about 18, 20 questions, and also to give them a copy of the uh, con- Pfizer contract. And the position of Pfizer and, their, and, and the government was, oh, we cannot give you, we can give you some answers, but we cannot give you the contract because there's a confidentiality clause. Mm-hmm. So what the judge did in that case was the judge came back and said, I am going forward with this injunction so no no one who's 13 years of age and younger can get that shot in that country. Then we have uh, Pfizer in Australia. Many politicians that I'm talking to in Australia, they're trying to get a copy of that contract in Australia. And basically the pushback from the federal government is no, 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 we, we can't give that to you. So I know that they're working very hard in Australia and they're working hard in some other, other countries. And we all know in the contracts we have received from our sources that there is uh, the pharmaceutical, the U.S. pharmaceutical companies are asking for, you know, the same no liability standard in the United States mm-hmm. in foreign governments uh, con- contracts. And now they don't want to turn it over. I mean, it just, the the mountain of evidence of what someone would do under normal, honest circumstances is the exact opposite of what's being played out with Pfizer across the globe. Got it. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where we are today. That's where we are today. Mm -hmm. Is a, it's an incredible situation. I, I, I just, uh, I think I'm not alone in this. People just scratch your head at, what, at what's happening in planes. They're hiding things. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, and doctors going along with it, hospitals going along with it. I, I know that I know the reasons why. We we know the reasons why. Money. Can't do anything. I understand that. Now, doctors who are free to talk are talking. Uh, doctors who 
are not uh, beholding to a group or a hospital are telling the truth and they're and they're and they're acting on that truth but they're not they're not in the majority they're they're a minority of doctors but uh, so that that right there is is a very telling sign when doctors and and hospital administrators are afraid to buck the system so Dwayne, I have been talking to, uh, and our team have, have been talking to people who are inside FDA, inside NIH, inside NIAID, inside the CDC, and inside the pharmaceutical corporations. Mm -hmm. Not just Moderna, not just J&J, not, not just uh, Pfizer, but other pharmaceutical, U.S. pharmaceutical corporations who are moving into the mRNA application for other types of shots, whether it's flu, malaria, tuberculosis, AIDS, and I guess maybe monkeypox is next. Yeah. Uh, but you have been on the inside. So I would like to, you know, sign off on this show and have you tell those people who are afraid to step out, what to think about. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I understand that there can be a lot of personal situations that come into these decisions. There's no doubt about that. And every person would have to make a decision. Uh, what, what is the, um, what is the course of action to take? that basically I can live with 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. Don't look at it just from what, what is it today? What's going to be like a few years from now? But there's an issue of integrity. There's an issue of honesty. And I think people have to come to grips with that. And if you, I try to put myself in their position, what would I do? And, you know, we, it, it's one of those situations that, that everyone has to come to grips with in their own way. But at some point, you've got to look at the greater good and decide is, is my, what I'm experiencing today, is it worth being quiet? Uh, am I going to be better off a few years from now having been quiet instead of pushing back and coming forward with the truth? It's a tough decision. I understand that people have to weigh their own, uh, their own situations, but my my recommendation, my advice would be: uh, think long and hard about it, and and speak up, speak up and tell the truth. You never have to apologize for truth. On that note, Dwayne Armstrong, our good friend, you're also in plain sight. You have spoken out and come back. You're always invited to come back, Thank Dwayne. You. Thank you very much. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you.